Saving money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? We're going to have to start serious today. Why? Oh, you know why? Yeah. It's hard to be a cowboy in modern America, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Look through the look at cause cowboys, yeah. huh? They don't have the same cachet. They're not allowed to wear no underwear underneath the chaps. No. Um, that's not fun. Honestly, a buttless chap is actually really difficult to be on a horse. I can't imagine what it does. Lucky your inner size. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, talk about the lucky guy. Yeah. <laughs> and a rub up against that spine, your ball's completely exposed. Also, mm-hmm. it's just like there's not a lot of room for rustlers anymore. Yeah, that is. I mean, they're still around. They're definitely still around. And cowboy is I mean, it's still a very real job. Uh, And it is truly uh, I think it was named one of the top five or bottom five worst jobs in America. Uh, It is an absolutely fucking awful job. It's long. It's long hours. It's very, very dangerous. It's low pay. uh, And most ranchers don't offer health insurance. I would about the lassos all right what about collecting milk from women in a, in a little house and then you have sex with her and you leave her alone and then what about all the, the, the you and the pageantry of all the cattle try being the cattle my friend it is not good hey what's up everyone welcome to the last podcast of the left i am ben hanging out with henry and marcus Henry, I think you would have been a fantastic cowboy. Yeah, I would. Legs. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I go, hey there. Hey, hey, Mr. Cow. You let me get up there. Let me get my step stool. Hey, hey, hey. I'm just the littlest cowboy. You know, oh. it's fun and cute. Oh, all of these men are fucking murdering me. Oh, no, because the I, cowboy hat looks so big on your little head. I do have a big cowboy hat, and that's just to show you how good of a thinker I am. Oh. Um, but I, it is kind of fun. We're doing this old school. I'm in a hotel room. Um, I'm not wearing any clothes. No. I'm wrapped in a comforter, so I'm sweating balls. Yeah, yes. It's great. I'm so excited to be back here, mobile. I'm doing it. All right, everyone. Well, today's episode, we are on to Billy the Kid. Part three, and it's only going to get stinkier and stinkier from here on out. 
Actually, there is a whole thing that takes place in Stinky Gulch. (laughs) It's Stinking Spring, and that's next episode. Because we are making Billy the Kid a four-part series. There's just too much here and just too good of a story to tell. We did the same thing as we did in the Black Plague series, where instead of ending on a three-hour episode, we're just going to make it two one-and-a-half-hour episodes. But that's how we really get down into the... The pockets. Yeah. The Billy the Kid and the stinky, stinky boots. All right, let's get into the mud and play around with Billy the Kid, part three. Oh, and Henry, I'd say you'd last at least until lunch with the Cowboys. You don't think I wouldn't be a good old timey, first of all, like the guy who plays the piano in the saloon. Uh-huh. No, I think he was a like cowboy, a, like an actual working cowboy. You might make yeah, it. You have lunch. like, you have like a J.C. Penney's model idea of a cowboy. Hey there, boys. Is hey, let's toss the ball around. Ooh, look at that rope. Oh, look at my fun belt. <laughs> All right. So when we last left Billy the Kid, his war to avenge the death of his former boss, John Tunstall, had ended in utter defeat in the New Mexican town of Lincoln with the retreat of the regulators and the shooting death of attorney Alexander McSween. And then he died in flame. No. Yeah. Now, ultimately, no one came out on top in the Lincoln County War. The violence and chaos that came as a result of this Old West feud toppled everyone involved, including instigator James Dolan, whose cattle monopoly fell soon after the war. Now, as we said, Billy the Kid's side was known as the Regulators, and by the war's end, Billy was more or less in charge. But once the war was over, the Regulators became a looser collection of folk. And Billy became particularly close with two members. Because Billy really was a natural leader and people looked up to him because he had like, let's say this D&D world. He had very high charisma roles. Like the man is like people were very attracted to him because one thing he didn't give up ever. Like he was one of those guys that was ultra dangerous when you thought he was like when you got him. Right. Mm -hmm. And then number two. He was the last one to live. Oh, that yeah. top And so if all the other guys up top die, eventually you find yourself to be the boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the first of these two companions was Charlie Baudry, who had narrowly survived the first bullet fired at Blazer's Mills from Buckshot Roberts. Remember, he was the guy that shot his ricocheted off of his belt buckle uh, and it allegedly blew off the trigger finger of another regulator. <laughs> all right. Which heartthrob is he? Uh, actually, he's the one. He's the one guy uh, that didn't really work after Young Guns. Uh, uh, he's the, yeah, yeah. He he's probably the, he's, died of a drug overdose or like you know, <laughs> no, like just pulled a gun off a cop's belt or something. One of those actors. Zero charisma. That was ah. the problem. The greatest crime of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you uh, want to die and you take a series of drugs, is it an overdose or is it the proper dose? I would say it's suicide. It's and called by suicide. Overdose. Suicide uh-huh. by yeah. overdose. Yeah. Or exactly what it took. Just like Billy the Kid. Jesus Christ, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? So dark. <laughs> what? No, that wasn't dark. That's it was. That's insane. Dark. That was insanely dark. <laughs> I was. said it took it. Whatever it takes, just like Billy the Kid, he did whatever it takes. No, I'm talking about the pontification on, is it suicide or is it just the right amount? I want to say the, ponti- oh, the pontification on. Kissel did before we recorded about how great it was to drink alone. <laughs> We're I in the danger alone. zone. <laughs> no, I was oh. on Instagram. Mm. Oh, oh yes. wow. Yes. <laughs> it's so short. Well, 11 years older than Billy, Beaudry was a well-known Lincoln County scofflaw and was locally notorious for a night in which he and two companions terrorized the town of Lincoln in a drunken rampage the previous year. 
Billy's other close companion was Tom O'Foliard, who basically followed Billy the Kid around like a puppy dog and did whatever he said. This man was Billy's inseparable companion, the guy who would hold Billy's horse while the kid visited a senorita or had a drink, whether it be for 30 minutes or half the night. He is a very funny side character because Tom Foliard, it really is really weird. He is like... O'Foliard. O'Foliard. He is the, um, like, you know, in Tenacious D, they had the one super fan, like the one guy who kept showing up. Mm-hmm. It's it's this guy. He was a Billy the Kid super fan. Carl Pilkington. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, this is idea that Billy the Kid go do whatever he wants, and he's like, "Hold my horse." And then Tom O'Foliard's like, "Can I watch you fuck?" You know, like, he's so excited <laughs> to be the cock in this. Oh, that's no. nice. No, I I I kind of hate the term butt boy, but he was Billy the Kid's butt boy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Everyone needs a wipe. Renfield. <laughs> Yes, his Renfield, definitely. Uh, you know, it's also I like about the regulators and now what we'll go into what will coalesce into Billy the Kid's gang is that they are all like minor, huge bullies to other small towns mm-hmm. where they were like the main villain of like one saloon for like a while and then like how like you know like women that are like a wisconsin 10 go to la and it's like all of a sudden it's all the models or all the people who believe that they were the hottest people in their own small towns it's like that but for old west villains Mm -hmm. oh my goodness and a wisconsin 10 comes out to la and they're in la 12 (laughs) nice that's how beautiful the wisconsin people are but O'Foliard, Baudry, and the kid were only three of the 20 or so regulators who participated in a deadly robbery soon after the Lincoln County War. And this death would turn public opinion against the regulators for good. Uh-oh. See, during the entire Lincoln County War, the regulators had survived on the small fortune of Alexander McSween for day-to-day provisions. Mm-hmm. Mm. They had a big daddy. Mm-hmm. But since McSween had been cut down by both the Dolan gang and the army at the end of the five-day battle, funds were running low. Hmm. Furthermore, the regulators couldn't very well get hired as cowboys on a local ranch, what with all the murder warrants and such. So they fell back on horse thieving, and those murder warrants made them even more reckless than they'd been before. I mean, horse thieving's what they knew. Yeah, horse well, thieving was killed. the number one skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but they, they were already about to get killed. They had okay. warrants all over the place for them. They technically murdered a sheriff. So now, like, they're out there. But honestly, it must be nice to come, like, they could sit there and really focus on horse thieving. They're like, this yeah. is our time. <laughs> honestly, this is our strength, guys. Why are we denying this? I mm-hmm. think it's important for us to get together, look at the charts, and see what our skill sets are. Absolutely. In different techniques, some kiss the horse to steal their horse. We talked and about then this. They can ride we on. talked about this. This is coming from a lonelier perspective now. Okay. Very interesting. Are we talking sardines and crackers here? As far as provisions go? Yeah, what are they eating? They're eating hardtacks. Hardtack. Yeah. I mean, they're eating What's bacon hard-tack? sometimes if they're lucky. Hardtack is hard. Tack. It's, it's like tack. it's bread. Essentially, oh, it's hardtack okay. is a type of like I want to say like you'd call it like a nutrient shit. Like Some what would have in it? Okay. I, don't, I don't. I don't exactly know what's in hardtack, but you know they're eating beans. You know, they're very, beans. Yeah, they're eating a lot of beans. It's a All ton right. of beans. Like the homeless man and Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Or, in a more appropriate uh, reference, Blazing Saddles, the fart scene. Yes, where they're all eating beans. <laughs> or how I like to eat beans. Yeah, sure. in all these scenarios, farts are involved, though. In every oh, single one of these. Yes. Absolutely. 
So one night, 20 regulators rode into the Mescalero Indian Agency with the goal of riding away with a few horses. Now, Indian agencies were kind of like armed embassies that facilitated communication between the United States government and the various Indian nations that still lived independently at this point in history. Hmm. Agencies oversaw trade, settled disputes between tribes and settlers, usually unfairly and sometimes murderously. Sure. Ah. And they were in charge of, quote-unquote, acculturating Indians into American society, which basically meant cultural genocide. All right, oh all my. y'all gather around, all y'all gather around. This is what we like to call a big gulp. <laughs> now, you got 40 ounces. That's 40 wow. ounces of wow. pure sugar in this, okay? <laughs> now, you're going to want to try that, and you're going, woo, 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 What a woo, culture. Woo. What a culture indeed. Must be preserved with blood. <laughs> In other words, Indian agencies were the thumbs of oppression on the ground for the United Mm. States government in the late 19th century. And the regulators figured that the Mescalero Indian Agency was easy pickings for some horse thieving. Why would you? Why would you think that? (laughs) It's filled with soldiers and like kind of, I imagine, like resentful Native Americans. No, yes. well, the Indian agencies weren't re- necessarily filled with soldiers. They weren't necessarily uh, like surrounded. It wasn't a fort, but it was. I mean, there were definitely guys with guns there. Um, but it was more of a like think of it like an armed uh, embassy. Like sure. think of it an armed embassy or like an armed like DMV or something like that. It's a government building. Man, uh, okay. can you fucking imagine what it would be like if all the people who worked DMV had guns now? No, I don't want to think <laughs> about it. That's a massacre waiting to happen. But in the process of this thieving, an agency clerk named Morris Bernstein was shot four times, had his pockets turned out and emptied, and his rifle, pistol, and cartridge belt had all been taken. This brazen murder and robbery made the regulators look like straight-up bandits. And since Billy the Kid had already earned himself a reputation as a cold-blooded killer in the Lincoln County War, and since he was a name, Mm. he was indicted for the murder of Morris Bernstein. Oh. That ain't right. That ain't no. right. No, I mean, it's what he he, he kind of wanted this. Kind of, sort of. Uh, I, I mean, he, he I think he wanted it at first. And then mm. as we'll get into here in a little bit, once he kind of sees the opportunity for an out, he says, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want this. I die. Well, I can't have something else. Let me have something else. Okay. He's very much the Takashi 6ix9ine. Of the old west. <laughs> oh no! Don't yeah. say that about him. That's a it's a high insult, Mister Zabrowski. Also, um, hard tax a biscuit. Oh, yeah, oh, biscuits. As I biscuits. Said. Yeah, Very but nice. shitty biscuits. It's Real shitty, shitty biscuits. biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Limp Biscuit cover band. Shitty biscuits. <laughs> uh, but also remember, Billy the Kid is a fucking kid. He's like nineteen at this point, wow. so he doesn't really know what the fuck he wants. But concerning the murder of Morris Bernstein, Billy, by multiple accounts, wasn't even at the Indian agency when the murder occurred. He was several hundred yards away drinking water at a spring. But since the public opinion train concerning Billy had already left the station, he got stuck with the rap. Oh, my goodness. And that's when Billy the Kid, unbeknownst to anyone else, turns into a little cat. And he goes down and he licks the water out of the pond. Isn't that sweet? It seems nice and old-timey. Humans need water, too. (laughs) Oh, I know. I just don't think about them going on all fours, drinking it out of a pond with their tongue. Well, he's not going on all fours. He didn't do that. (laughs) That's your imagination. This is how humans drank water before you could buy it at a store or get it from a tap. In Wisconsin, they call it a bubbler. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, I actually just watched Back to the Future Part Three, and I do. They do have that bit where I, I imagine the water must have been pretty gross. Yeah. At the time, and they show up, and he gets water, and they, they all laugh at him. They all. It's it's fun. It's the whole thing about how time travel makes you awkward. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Now, in this murder, the blame was shared between Billy and a regulator named George Coe. And after the indictment came down, George and his brother Frank decided to finally leave Lincoln County to start over somewhere else as anonymous, legitimate men. Oh. And while the Coes did indeed leave after the murder of Morris Bernstein, Billy told them that they could do as they pleased. But as for Billy... He was going to stay right there in Lincoln County, steal himself a living, and plant every goddamn one of the mob who murdered Tunstall into the ground. Woo! That is, if they didn't get to him first. Okay. He definitely, it does show there, there was a freedom in the Old West where you really could just go and be like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm not going to be in the criminal life anymore. I'm going to go start my homestead. I'm going to do whatever. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave the life. But Billy the Kid, again, because he's done this now twice, because after the Lincoln County War, he had an opportunity to leave. And he's like, upstate. And then this time, it's the same thing, where, it, again, it feels like he, he there's like a purpose here. Murdering all of Tunstall's men, is it's not a real goal. It's not, you're not going to find all of these men. It's a thing that you, you create for yourself. He has mm. created this like thing. This is, this is my purpose. And I'm just going to live this out because I'm also 18. He, then he has no fucking clue that he has a whole life to live. Right. Yeah. It's like wanting to go to all the Guy Fieri restaurants from Triple D, not realizing they're on countless seasons and the number just keeps going up. <laughs> <laughs> He's moving the goalposts. He is moving the goalposts. Yeah. Yes, the goalpost indeed. Well, I mean, there's also uh, the idea uh, that, you know, even though you can leave anywhere at any time it's hard to leave home you know and it's hard to sure. leave what and billy the kid you know we'll get into it here in a bit but he has built a community here and going yeah. off and starting somewhere else brand new uh was even harder then than it is now because now if you fail you can just go back home right. uh but back then if you failed you died is yeah. he getting his ego stroked do people like him in the town? Like, does he have a group yeah. of people where he's like, he's Billy the Kid? It's so not he, even necessarily an ego stroke. It's they're just his friends. Okay. Yeah, you know, people they're, like they're, Billy the Kid. They love yeah. him. He yeah. just was, you know, he's just 18 years old. So he wakes up different every day. One day he wakes up feeling like a fucking psychopath. And one day mm -hmm. he wakes up wanting to like, there's instances that you'll see as we cover where he's just like, he gives money to people and helps people and does all the shit. It's just whatever his childlike whims are. Okay. Mm. But after a few more horse thefts, the remaining regulators drifted apart. Such a large group was easy to track and chase, and the arguments over what to do next were constant. So the group shrank once more, and Billy's need for revenge seemed to somewhat shrink with it. I mean, if you don't have a whole bunch of guys egging you on, then, you know, your piss goes down just a bit. Mm. See, by December of, <laughs> see, by December of 1878, Billy had returned to the town of Lincoln with a vague notion of squaring himself with the law so he could make a second attempt to go straight. I'm going to be a graffiti artist. Whoa! <laughs> wow! Billy reckoned that since nobody else had been punished for their roles in the Lincoln County War, he might skate on all his charges as well. Hmm. And in this, he was almost right. 
So the violence in Lincoln County had gotten so bad and so publicized that the president of the United States, Rutherford B. Hayes. One of our favorite presidents, right? (laughs) I guess. He's the old West president. Like It's always, anytime you watch an old West thing, it's always, I'm going to get the attention of President Hayes and he ain't going to have but no choice to come down here. (laughs) Meanwhile, he's just like, I hate to take the carriage. I just bounce all around inside of it. But Hayes had stepped in and appointed a new territorial governor to replace Samuel Axtell, because Axtell had rightly been pegged as a man who'd fanned the flames of the Lincoln County War. Axtell was the guy who told the army, yeah, it's all right, head on down there. Axtell was also the guy who had voided the warrants for Tunstall's murder and who had voided the deputization of the regulators. Oh, so he liked to stir the pot. And yeah. he was also one of us to be like, yeah, let's use it. Because, you know, an army that just sits around gets really restless. You have sure. to use them. As we'll see in the next five years when we start the next forever war. Yeah. 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 Who? Where will it be next? I don't know. <laughs> where will it be? It might be here. It might, they might just try to use it here. Look at you, Canada. Whoa. We're You're right going there. north. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Oh, we need a wall on the northern border. These Canadians are taking our comedy jobs. Get out of here. <laughs> now, I don't actually I don't know if Axel had a hand in sending the the army to Lincoln County, but I would imagine he did nothing to stop it. Okay. And then to hopefully put an end to the whole affair which was still producing sporadic murders between men looking to settle scores, the new governor, Henry Wallace, issued a general pardon to anyone involved in the Lincoln County war. But this pardon came with a caveat It only covered people who hadn't already been indicted by a grand jury. And Billy the Kid had indeed been indicted in the murders of Sheriff William Brady in Lincoln and Buckshot Roberts at Blazer's Mill, all before the five days battle. I only kind of sort of contributed to all of them murders. I mean, really, doesn't the bullet do most of the damage? And why aren't why isn't the bullet we've, on trial? And put the we've gun had this on conversation the stand. before. And Chris Rock did the bit. It's hard to blame the bullets. Technically, bullets are innocent. <laughs> but even so, Billy tried to make inroads with the law to earn that pardon. To everyone's surprise, in February of 1879, Billy brokered a peace treaty between the remaining regulators and their enemies in the Lincoln County War, the Dolan Gang. I think he was just running out of people to drink with. Yeah, maybe. As part of the truce, they agreed that no one on either side would kill anyone on the other or testify against them in court, ever. And the penalty for violating this agreement was a swift execution. And I'm going to hold all y'all to that. Using the most ancient Native American tradition possible. The pinky swear. (laughs) Whoa, it's the pinky swear. But the truce was to be short-lived, as these things often are for one reason or another. It's not a good idea to have the bandits fucking negotiate their own treaties. I mean, I think it's kind of adorable. <laughs> yeah, a bandit. I can't, that's the thing. That's why I consider myself a bandit. I can't even mm-hmm. agree with the rules I set for myself. Right? <laughs> I set up a certain like degree of stuff I'm supposed to do. You're not disciplined enough. Yeah. Well, on the night that the treaty was brokered, the Dolan men, drunk and exuberant at war's end, spilled out into the streets of Lincoln, singing and firing their guns into the air. This is the celebration of them signing their peace treaty. They all got together. <laughs> they were they, shooting into the air. That's so yes. much better than aiming no, at someone. No, it's collective. It's fun. It's like an Afghani wedding. They're having a good time. But in a terrible stroke of luck, 
a one-armed lawyer named Houston Chapman happened to be walking by the saloon at that very moment. Uh-oh. As he found himself in the middle of a bunch of drunken cowboys, he very predictably got into a confrontation with a Dolan man named Billy Campbell, seeing as how drunken cowboys are among the most unpredictable creatures on earth. Oh. I mean, I saw some at your bachelor party, and man, they can really lift their knees. You yeah. guys really surprisingly know how to dance, and some, and then all of a sudden, but, if you, but the problem is that all your shit is stomping around in hard boots. And then if somebody <laughs> steps on one of your boots, mm -mm. then it's like now a fight. Now we have to oh. have a skirmish, we have to sit here, we have to spin a gun, and then it lands on somebody who have to kiss that guy, and if they oh. kiss good enough, you can shoot him. <laughs> it's not that much. It's not a bit that not that big of a boot culture. Uh, no, I'm mostly saying like you know I've had these experiences. You know, hanging out with cowboys, you bump into one, and they're either gonna threaten to beat you within half an inch of your life, or they're gonna put an arm around you and say, "Hey, hell, come on, have another beer. Come on over here. Let's, let's go have a beer." And you sir, have no fucking clue which one it's gonna I'm, be. I, I'm with my family, sir. I need to just. <laughs> I can't live the cowboy life with you, sir. I'm a traveling comedian. I'm just so happy that you bumped into me today, Mr. What was that? Little Henry? Um, my name is Mr. <laughs> yes. Ben Kissel. No, no, I'm actually Ben Kissel. That's weird you chose that name. <laughs> I've been touched in a while. So oh, God, nice. oh, no, it's vodka. Why don't you take a seat by me at the bar? <laughs> oh, no, he got bit by radioactive vodka. It's vodka, man. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, some of those nights that I had drinking with cowboys, some of the most fun nights I've ever had in my entire fucking life. They know how to party, man. Uh-huh. Well, in true Old West fashion, Campbell, when Houston Chapman bumped into him, he pulled his pistol, shoved it into Houston Chapman's chest, and told him to dance. Oh, my God. Is dun, that real? Dun, Did they dun, really dun, do dun, that? Dun, 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 dun. And then he starts voguing. And they're like, this is fucking incredible. And he admits it's breaking. Maybe a little right said Fred. Maybe a little I'm too sexy. What kind of dance did he want? Also, did they want him to dance for their own entertainment? Or was it like, what's the, what is the motivation? Be like, dance. Like, it's a humiliation. It's a humiliation. It's, rhetor yeah. it's rhetorical. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he it's just a wants to shoot you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just it's a full on humiliation. It's like when the uh, kids made uh, Henry do the Chris Farley impersonation before they'd let him on the train. It's all about humiliation. It was a threat, and I crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> but while Chapman tried talking his way out of the situation, James Dolan, who was out there celebrating with everyone else, fired his pistol into the air. And the loud sound spooked Campbell so much that his finger jerked the trigger and Houston Campbell fell to the ground with a fatal chest wound. Uh -oh. He soon died and the party continued in the middle of the street around Houston's corpse. I could just see the moment of silence. Like he just shoots the guy and he falls and they're all like, oh. <gasps> yeah, oh, yeah, party on, party <laughs> on <laughs> boys. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this killing seemed to be more of the same lawlessness, even though it had occurred during a party celebrating the end of violence. <laughs> I mean, it was only one murder, so it's it was, decreasing the violence. It wasn't on purpose. Yeah. No, no. So the new governor, Henry Wallace, made it his personal mission to convict and execute the men responsible for Houston Chapman's death which was all the more tragic because he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, Billy got roped into this indictment as well, even though Billy the Kid had only been there to broker peace. This is mm. what happens when you're the face. 
You yeah. know what I mean? It's like the executive producer. You get all the blame. You get none of the credit. Mm-hmm. But instead of reacting violently, Billy wrote a letter to Governor Wallace offering to testify against the Dolan gang in the Whoa. murder of Houston Chapman in exchange for the same pardon that had been extended to everyone else involved in the Lincoln County War. This is where everybody got Billy the Kid wrong that was around him in a circle. That, like, he was charming and he was fun, but he was not trustworthy. He was a sneaky guy. Like, he <laughs> would take it. your shit. He'd I mean, fuck no, your he girl. Was, he was trustworthy and he was loyal, but he would flip on your ass to save his own. So perhaps not trustworthy than Marcus. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would say <laughs> I actually think that you are grossly underestimating the term trustworthy. Mm, well, I guess in a criminal sense, if he would flip on you at the moment. Well, he wouldn't flip mean, on his friends, but he wouldn't flip on his friends. That's the thing. He would but not flip just on his friends. friends with his. They weren't friends. These were yeah. the men who had just fucking murdered. Three months ago, he was trying to kill. Not even three months. Three weeks ago, he was trying to kill. He was very loyal to his friends, okay. but to people like this who had been his enemies ten minutes ago, yeah, fuck them. Who cares? They're murderers. They All just right. fucking. They just shot a guy in the chest. They don't deserve loyalty. Like they shot that. a guy in the chest for nothing. It's the same thing. It's like if you're cheating on your wife with somebody who's cheating with you, don't expect to get with that person. Expect that person to like, you know, stay with you and be be legit. You know what I mean? You know, a liar, a liar, you judge cheaters, Joe a Brown. What are you listening? Talking about? I call him straight. I call him straight. I'm downtown Joe Brown. <laughs> well, in part, the letter that Billy wrote to Houston Chapman read: "I have no wish to fight anymore. Indeed, I have not raised an arm since your proclamation. As to my character." I refer to any of the citizens, for the majority of them are my friends and have been helping me all they could. I can't okay. wait to say the same exact thing to a judge. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my friends. Like, cut to my friends. And it's just Eddie with the beer helmet. Just like, I testify that this is a good man. Well, this letter eventually resulted in a secret meeting between Billy the Kid and Governor Wallace. And by meeting's end, they had agreed that Billy would testify against the Dolan gang in exchange for a pardon concerning Billy's two murders. Okay. But in doing this, Billy was breaking the treaty that he'd agreed to on the very night of Chapman's murder. So Governor Wallace promised Billy that he'd be put into protective confinement disguised as an arrest. That fucking horseshit. You think you could trust the fucking government? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no, no. This is just a show arrest. We're playing a game. This is all fun and it's yes. a th It's theater. And by safety confinement, he means this trusty coffin right here. <laughs> I never want the government to put me in a safety confinement. Yes. yes. Well, soon after, Billy sang like a bird about everything he knew concerning the Dolan gang, from outlaw trails to hiding places to Billy's own criminal techniques, which put all of his former enemies in the jackpot without a single shot being fired. Hmm. Based on this testimony, the grand jury laid out 200 indictments against Ooh. 50 men for the murder of Houston Chapman and for a whole bunch of other crimes. Damn, that's a long frickin' stay on jury duty. 200 yeah, indictments? That's, well, that's an entire three weeks away from your family. And maybe back then it might have been nice. Yeah, but you also think, yeah, maybe three weeks, but you also, the trials used to also be a lot shorter than they are oh. now. Much, Hang much shorter. They also were like, hey! <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you'd have a whole a full fucking murder trial in like an afternoon. Okay. But Billy, he had done what he'd promised to do and more, and he'd done it all legitimately. But the pardon was not meant to be. 
See, Governor Wallace didn't really give a shit about Billy. <laughs> All he wanted to do was end the war. And as soon as those indictments were handed down, Wallace lit out of town and left the pardon in the hands of local officials. And this being the Old West, these officials had no interest whatsoever in letting a notorious desperado walk free. Uh-oh. And so in June of 1879, after trying to do the right fucking thing, Billy the Kid rode out of Lincoln and returned to a life of crime. This is, man, who do you think the Desperados learned this shit from, man? The government was the first Desperados, bro. We came out there, we just stole all the Native Americans' land. You think they give a fuck about your little ass? They just came in, they're building a country here. You're a roadkill, Billy the Kid. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the law made him into the Desperado he never wanted to be, but was forced to become. He wanted to be one. It was, it's complicated. I mean, it, I was being more, I was trying to just kind of set the stage in kind of a romantic way. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah, I, I heard the wagon wheels. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We do, can we need some of that, especially when you read the letter, we do need a little bit of atmosphere. Some old West atmosphere really helps. Just, the, yeah, just a little bit. Oh, I got some for you. Oh my God, life is miserable. Where are the crops? Becky, God damn it. There we go. Does that look infected to you? It was a lot of that. <laughs> no, no, that looks that looks great. Oh, he's, got, he's got 20 minutes to live. Take his stuff. Take his shit, man. Give my boots to my son. <laughs> That's the thing, man. People only have one and, pair of boots for like an oh, entire generation. Damn. That's why I named my son Boots. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Billy then showed up in Las Vegas, New Mexico, where he was charged with operating an illegal three-card Monty game. And he was also allegedly seen having a big drunk with notorious outlaw Jesse James. Although that encounter is rumor at best. I mean, now we're into the Old West Extended Universe, which we will get to, like, because Jesse James is probably going to be the next one we cover when we come back around to this time period. But he really, like, just the idea of them all meeting together is kind of fun because I just, it it feels like it could happen. 
Yeah. No, it's like we talk, sure. when like Pretty Boy Floyd hung out with Bonnie and Clyde and fucking hated him. It's just I just love a night to fucking sitting there with Billy the Kid and Jesse James fucking trading stories and being honest. It's insane. It's insane. Of course, if we actually saw it, it would just be them drooling, piss hammered, kind of looking <laughs> at each other every now and again. We'll uh, keep it romantic. <laughs> well, afterward, Billy the Kid returned to Lincoln and provoked the new sheriff into arresting him. After he was arrested, Billy the Kid just escaped from jail by climbing up the chimney again. He done the whole thing pretty much just to prove a point. Like, even if you do arrest me, you can't hold me. Have they thought about getting rid of the fireplace? <laughs> it's hard. That's how they kept it hot. It's, it's the only means of warmth, man. New Mexico, does it get cold? Yeah, dude, it gets fucking freezing in the wintertime. Okay. It snows. It's fucking awful. Did not know that. Mm -hmm. Especially uh, like this area of New Mexico where they're at. Like this is full of like ski resorts now. Like Rio Dosa. Oh. This is where like West Texans go to vacation. Oh. Is uh, this area. Like Rio Dosa, Lincoln, Cloudcroft, all that shit. Yeah, this is well, ski resort country. Another idea. Keep the fire on. Never turn it off. Because mm. Billy the Kid is scurry up through that chimney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's a fucking awful way to live. Too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter. This is where we're at in like the legend building part of Billy the Kid. Like this is why we extended to four episodes to really show how we get to the end of Billy the Kid's life. Because I do think he did do things with the long view of how people would perceive him and that he like like people that become big names in history, like the quote unquote capital G great people like Dan Carlin talks about where he did shit like that. We would mm. purposely get arrested just to escape just because he, he wanted to like have people buy him drinks when they saw him at the bar. So everybody would like, it's like calling your shot in sports games. Some people just get into stand up comedy for two free drinks. Other people get arrested and climb through a chimney. Yeah. And from Lincoln, Billy rode a little over a hundred miles away to Fort Sumner. Now, if there was anywhere in New Mexico that Billy the Kid would call his home in his short 21 years, it would be Fort Sumner. This place sounded fucking wild. Yeah, man. It sounds so cool. This was a it was a former fort. It was no longer a fort. But it, okay. now it, when Billy the Kid was there, it was a town that had been founded by Mexican and Indian families about 10 years before the Lincoln County War. And in Fort Sumner, the bilingual kid with a foot in both Mexican and Anglo cultures, he'd found close friends, a community that accepted him, and most importantly, a girlfriend named Paulita Maxwell. Oh sweet, sweet God. Paulita. She, he loves Paulita. Paulita and him. Ooh, man. Just the idea of her bouncing up and down in his knee. Everybody <laughs> spilling booze all over her. Man, it must have been great to be a woman. I'm sure she was beautiful. <laughs> there were definitely women in the Old West who held positions of power. You know, again, by virtue of being the only fucking one who stayed alive. Mm. Well, as such, this place was a true safe haven for Billy the Kid. A town where no lawman was brave enough or stupid enough to try and approach him. But that peace was eventually shattered by a man named Pat Garrett. As a man of true grit. This is a real, this guy's a fucking character out of a Western movie. Again, it's like I was talking about with Marcus right before the show. Like, I, I know that Western movie tropes came from places for a reason. Like, they, they did come from history. And you're really going to see it here. Like, Pat Garrett is the fucking complicated anti-hero cop dude that is going to be identify with Billy the Kid, but also Ooh. be his ultimate enemy. It's fun. Yeah. Cool. Now, even though Pat Garrett is famous for being the man who took down the kid, he was, in reality, kind of a fuck-up. A native of Alabama, descended from slave owners, Garrett arrived in post-Civil War Texas 
broke in 1869, owning nothing more than a rifle, a saddle, a bridle, and a horse. Simple times. I mean, that's a pretty good, that's a, that's something. At least he owns something. That he matters. does own a couple things. After failing at farming for a few years, Garrett briefly became a cowboy and rode north with a trail herd. There, he met a man named Willis Skelton Glenn. That's and an old West name right there, yes. man. <laughs> Skelton is a very, like, it's not skeleton, it's Skelton. Skelton. I love it. Yeah. And the two of them joined thousands of other Westerners in the business of killing buffalo and selling the hides. About Garrett, his partner Glenn wrote, quote, He seemed the tallest, most long-legged specimen I ever saw. There was something very attractive and impressive about his personality. Even on a first meeting, gee golly, I wish I could be that saddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're real horny for the dude. And Garrett was indeed a tall individual, although not quite as tall as our very own Ben Kissel. Woohoo! Garrett was six foot four inches, and since he couldn't find pants in his size in the Aww. Old West mercantiles, he usually sewed two <laughs> buffalo hides to the bottom of his trousers to make up the difference. Oh my God, body shaving is 200 years old. <laughs> yes, no, it is, it is unfortunate that nobody makes pants for the larger person because we're people too. And you know what? If we don't wear pants, that's just as illegal as if you don't wear pants. <laughs> I'm not wearing pants right now. I know. <laughs> Look. I don't, I know. It's good. You it's are, good. just sees my knee. You are 95% nude. <laughs> Now, by 1876, the Glen Garrett Buffalo Hunting Party was joined by an Irishman named Joe Briscoe, who would become the first man to die at the hand of Pat Garrett. Mm. Allegedly, Briscoe was trying to wash his handkerchief in dirty water, and Garrett remarked that only a damned Irishman was stupid enough to try such a thing. <laughs> seems to be a way to get things going, huh? That seems like my things. <laughs> Briscoe responded by saying that you Americans all think you're so goddamn smart. You think you're so goddamn smart, huh? <laughs> <laughs> ah, now, this back talk was too much for Garrett, and Garrett threw the first punch in the eventually deadly confrontation. And after taking the hit, Briscoe swung back and missed, then ran for the camp's axe so he could bury it deep into Garrett's skull. <laughs> down and down and down. <laughs> so fun. Seeing Briscoe's intentions, Garrett drew his 45 and oh. fired, sending a bullet ripping through Briscoe's left side, which then exited the other end. Briscoe collapsed and actually asked Garrett's forgiveness in escalating the fight so quickly. And 20 minutes later, Briscoe died. Oh, it's a funny. I mean, that's the funny thing about the, the Old West is that this understanding of uh, like, yeah, 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 I, I made you kill me. Like, if you didn't kill me, I would have killed you. And I'm sorry for making you kill me because I know killing someone sucks. I mean, it's just I guess that is a, a code of honor. It's this idea of a warrior mentality. If you're out there, like, honestly, a lot of these guys just came from fighting in the war mm -hmm. and then just like had to do the thing where you had to kill a dude that like two weeks ago was your cousin. And now mm -hmm. you have to like you've got to. So it, you can kind of see how that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But also Pat Garrett was a good ass shot. Pat Sounds like it. Great shot. Him and Billy the Kid. It's good. We'll get into their comparisons. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Garrett then buried Briscoe's body in an unmarked grave, and Garrett, acting in self-defense, received no charges. And after that, Garrett decided to switch careers. 
He rode out for the New Mexican Territory in 1878 looking for adventure, and he found a home amongst the Mexican people of Fort Sumner. There, he earned the nickname Juan Largo, which very simply means Long John. Oh my God, I could be Juan Largo. You could be Juan Benjamin. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of cute. It is cute, but that was the one thing, because he was just tall. And it comes down to it, Pat Garrett was a lot more than tall. He was also cranky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in Fort Sumner, Garrett raised hogs and partnered in a saloon and grocery business, but he wasn't on the straight and narrow. He also opened a butcher shop where he and his friend Barney Mason were caught processing stolen beef, which tells you exactly how wobbly morality was when it comes to these Old West figures. Do you think it's not even just wobbly morality or it's just how business got done? That like well, their businesses they, had like five, every business that was legit in the old West was like 20% crime. Also, how the fudge did they know it was stolen beef? Did because they, they stole it? it. They stole it. Yeah. They stole it themselves and then processed it. So they got, bu- they busted themselves? No, they were caught processing stolen meat. I, I don't know how the investigation went. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, we don't have these police <laughs> records. <laughs> like, that beef looks like my cow. <laughs> they, well, a lot of times they're branded. That was what they talked about, the mm. horse rustlers. What you kind of have to do half the time is that you have to fudge the branding on a horse so that nobody knows who it belongs to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Pat Garrett was not involved in the Lincoln County War at all. He had no history with Tunstall, McSween, or Dolan. But being a shopkeeper and saloon owner, he did know a lot of the people involved. And one of those people was Billy the Kid. In fact, Billy the Kid actually attended Pat Garrett's wedding. In 1879, Garrett married a woman named Juanita Martinez. And this being a community function, many of Garrett's customers attended, including the kid. Reportedly, Billy attended the wedding and danced to his favorite tune, Turkey in the Straw. And a good time was had by all. <laughs> Do we have Turkey in the Straw to play? I mean, it's the it's the fuck it's the ice cream man song that did it it did it it did it it did it it did it did it it Yeah, that's Turkey in the Straw. Isn't that nice? What a fun time to be a turkey. Contrary to how the legend is sometimes portrayed, Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett weren't good friends, but neither were they enemies. Instead, they were more frequent acquaintances marked with mutual respect. Ben, this is like if Rocco from Carmine's hunted, shot, and killed you. Oh my goodness, we're not that close. <laughs> but no, that's what it is, acquaintance, like, like your, your frequent acquaintances, you know? Okay. Yeah. Because also, like, this was a rough town. So it was this mixture, like, you had, like, these desperados and outlaws all over the place, and th- those were your constituents. Those were his customers, these yeah. people. And you're watching this, and it was kind of interesting that, like, if a person had a wedding, the whole town went. And sure. everyone went crazy, and people got shot and fight each other and shit. <laughs> but it's just, like, nowadays, weddings are all, like, ah, they're all stodgy. This is when it was fun, when anybody could come. Yeah, yeah. no charger plates at that wedding, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> now, perhaps respect played into how hard Garrett would hunt the kid once he became sheriff of Lincoln County. And it certainly played a role into how much Pat Garrett enjoyed the fame that came after Billy's death. Uh-oh. But Garrett was not the first man to try and take down Billy the kid so he could dine out on the murder. That designation belonged to a man named Joe Grant. On January 10th, 1880, Joe Grant arrived in Fort Sumner. And after he got good and drunk, 
he found Billy in a saloon and started harassing him. Just poking <gasps> at him and poking at him and poking at him. Don't poke at him. The idea of being a bounty hunter is like so much fun or like the idea that you're going into one town to kill one notorious outlaw because then you get put over. It's like being on the old Tonight Show. Sure. (laughs) But this isn't even, this is before Billy really had a bounty. Like this is just, this is just some dude going to kill another dude because he wants to kill him. And because he knows that like if he's the man who killed Billy the Kid... He's going to get to dine out on that for the rest of his fucking life. We're talking blooming onions for years. (laughs) (laughs) Now, after bullying Billy for a good long while, Joe Grant changed the game to one of murder. And he bet Billy $25 that he could kill a man that day before Billy did. Because Grant was operating under the assumption, the pretty common assumption, that Billy killed men constantly. That's got to help, though, in situations because he's a tiny guy. So people kind of automatically, while it does cause people to fight you all the time, it must also kind of be a deterrent where if you're a little guy who has to kill to get out of certain situations, now you're kind of in a situation where people kind of start kind of afraid of you. Yeah. But as we know, Billy the Kid was not a psychopathic murderer, but he had no qualms in killing for self-defense. And with Joe Grant, Billy decided to have a little murderous fun. See, Grant had just stolen an impressive ivory-handled revolver, so Billy asked if he could see it. (laughs) That's classic. (laughs) No, you don't hand your gun over. He he was already charmed by Billy the Kid. Billy, this is his secret. This is his superpower. It's like a bank teller being like, uh, with the robber being like, give me all your money. The bank teller's just being like, can I see that gun? (laughs) And then he keeps like, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. Oh man, I shouldn't have done the gun thing. I'm just gonna go. I mean, it wasn't as simple as that. Like Billy really was having fun with this guy. Uh, But he also, this shows you Billy the Kid wasn't a psychopathic murderer. He knew where this was going, but he also knew that he had to kill this man with cause. Uh, Otherwise, they're going to come after him again. So after Grant arrogantly handed over his gun, Billy spun the cylinder of Grant's gun and made sure that the next time the trigger would be pulled, it would fall on an empty chamber. Smart. Yeah. He then handed the gun back to Grant and waited for his moment. Before long, Grant declared that he'd chosen his victim, a man named John Chisholm. And Grant said that as soon as Chisholm walked through those saloon doors... Chisholm would fall dead to the ground by Grant's gun. Now, this Jeez. isn't the same Chisholm as the cattle Chisholm I from the Lincoln County War. Or is I it the same think, family? I think it's the same fam. I think it's the same guys. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a long it's, line of Chisholm. Oh, yeah. Chisholm, yeah, that's just a, that's a cattleman name. Of, piles of Chisholm. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and soon enough, a Chisholm did enter, but it was the wrong one. It's always bad when the wrong Chisholm gets in. <laughs> oh my goodness, where did they come from? Jim Chisholm had shown up, not John Chisholm. Oh, God damn. I hate Jim Chisholm. Oh, Jim Chisholm, I thought it was going to be John Chisholm. But Joe Grant didn't know the difference between Jim Chisholm and John Chisholm. <laughs> so when he declared his murderous attention to Billy, Billy said... That's not John Chisholm. That's Jim Chisholm. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think you know your Chisholms. <laughs> <laughs> but this seems like it was the justifiable homicide opening that Joe Grant had been looking for. It's the honor angle. Mm. He declared that Billy the Kid had called him a liar, 
which <gasps> in those days, depending on who the fucking law enforcement official was, you could shoot someone for calling you a liar if you were, in fact, not lying. And, and I do love that they would just let you go. That if yeah. you go into a bar, there are certain circumstances where a sheriff, you could walk in. This is true. Like through all of to, to hell on a fast horse, they talk about this type of circumstance where you could walk in, you get into a bar fight, you kill a guy. And if you told the sheriff and like, he called me a liar, he'd be like, well, that's just drunk rules. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aren't they all liars? Uh, I mean, but it, if you're specifically calling someone a liar, then that's a big deal. Like if you're okay. saying you're lying about that lie, because that's the, a man's honor. Man, Don't man's step honor is a big on my fucking, fucking deal. bit, dude. Don't step on my shit here, bro. We all storytellers here. It's like the moth. Okay. Uh, but when he declared Billy the Kid a liar and then quickly pulled his gun and pulled the trigger. <gasps> but all Grant got was the big fat click of an empty chamber. You can see the rack oh. focus of this shot of him like click and then Billy just smiling. Like yeah, I so. did it. And at that point, Billy had the justification. Woo. So he slapped leather and fired three bullets into Grant, Whoa. killing him on the spot. <laughs> and if you want any more proof that slow murders happened almost constantly, the papers didn't even pick up on this actual Billy the Kid murder at a time when Billy the Kid was the hottest fucking goss in the whole Old West. Wow. It's so funny. Yeah, it's just so like, well, that wasn't a real murder. That was a bar murder. <laughs> no, I mean, it was written off by the community and the press as just another saloon dispute. It was no more newsworthy than if Billy the Kid had shot a coyote. Damn. Wow. The law barely investigated either. And when someone asked Billy why he killed Grant, Billy shrugged it off and said... That his gun wouldn't fire, but mine would. You got him again, Billy. <laughs> and he, honestly, of all of the characters, too, of history, we'll, we'll get into more next episode, even more next episode. Billy the Kid was funny as fuck. Yeah. And very clever, very quick. Like, he knew, again, it's that weird thing that you'll just see, like, what, when we covered Bonnie and Clyde and when we cover these other guys. He had media savvy. Like, yeah. he mm -hmm. somehow knew, like, I'm, I'm people love me. Okay. Mm -hmm. But not everyone saw this murder as no big deal. I mean, this is essentially a prankster murder. And the murder of Joe Grant at the hand of Billy the Kid sort of stuck in the craw of Pat Garrett, who was growing tired of the criminal element in Fort Sumner. And even outside of that, Garrett was looking for a more stable job. So he decided to run for sheriff of Lincoln County. This is like a movie. Because also remember, Juanita died the night they got married. Do you remember that mm. story? She died Aww. that night. Pat Garrett and his wife, his what wife happened? died. Something happened. I forget what happened. I but like, too. But she died the night that they got married. And then he immediately got married to another woman two weeks later. But everybody said that his first wife was the love of his life, the one that he wanted to be with. And then he just got married, I guess, because he felt like he had to. But he was heartbroken. Mm. So we got yeah. that, where he start, he's houseboat cop, like from <laughs> Lethal Weapon, right? He's already heartbroken. He's strung out. He's looking around this town, and it's just madness, right? And it's like in Williamsburg in 2010, after all the hipsters started having babies, and then mm -hmm. they wanted to change everything, and they fucking took all the bars out and took all the venues out. Yep. It's the same thing. All these people are establishing this Wild West town. They're like... I think it's time we got legitimate, but we need a sheriff. Uh -oh. And there's only one long man <laughs> that can do it. Okay. Meanwhile, Billy the Kid was forming a new gang. 
Now, he kept Tom O'Folliard and Charlie Beaudry from the Regulators, but he added Thomas Pickett, William Wilson, and dastardly Dave Rudabaugh. Much older than Billy at the age of 40, Rudabaugh had plagued Las Vegas, New Mexico for years as a thief and a con artist. Hmm. But the baddest part of his reputation came from a double murder he committed in 1880 when he murdered a jailer and an Hispanic lawman. But as Billy's gang grew, so too did his reputation, which was mostly invented by the popular press. They began calling Billy the Boy Devil. Cool. referred to him That's as a awesome. desperate cuss hell-bent on anarchy. Woo-hoo. And there was scarcely a violent crime in New Mexico that wasn't blamed on Billy the Kid, who at this point was still known as William H. Bonney. In reality, though, Billy and his gang mostly just stole livestock from rich cattlemen. See, there were plenty of large ranches to steal from and sell to, and cattle rustling was easy pickings because there weren't enough cowhands to keep track of all the cattle. But that's not to say that Billy the Kid wasn't armed and ready to throw down at all times. Mm-mm. By this point, Billy was outfitted with the brand new lightning revolver. Whoa! Unlike a single action revolver, which required manually cocking the gun's hammer before firing, the double action lightning could be fired simply by pulling the trigger. Cool. So instead of, you know, boom, boom, it's boom, 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 boom. And just yes. more booms. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, this story of how he got that gun was kind of funny because the guy who owned the store in town, he got this. This is a brand new invention. He's got this new gun, shiny new gun. And Billy the Kid came in and him and his boy, and they look at the guns, these shiny guns, like yeah. sitting there. And, and the shopkeep was like an older man being like, can you believe we got these brand new lightning bolt action guns in? You wouldn't even believe the kind of action they can give you. And then Billy Kid's like, can I just see it? <laughs> and they like, he gives him the gun. And then because they're all sitting, they're all excited and stuff. And then Billy can like points the gun at him. Just be like, all right, see you soon. And then they leave with it. They leave. They just let, we leave with the guns. But the man was so indignant. He was old and sick because he had tuberculosis. So he was this frail old man. He tracked down Billy the kid and he was just like, how dare you? How dare you come into my shop and steal these guns from me? I'm trying to make an honest living. And Bill the kid and these other dudes look at him and they're like, all right, we'll give you the guns back. So they give him the guns back and they're like, but how about this? What if we wrote an IOU for the money for these guns? Oh, and that's and good. the guy's just like, Oh, that's an arrangement I can get behind. And so he did. He wrote an IOU, literally like Billy the Kid, like owed like $34 to him to buy the guns. And he gave it to it. And then obviously never paid that money. But that right. guy went forever on, like forever, like after the death of Billy the Kid with his whole his whole campaign of Billy the Kid owes me $50. He's got to get that money somehow. Well, I think with that, so was that the one where Billy told him, like, well, there's this other guy that owes me $50. So you can just, <laughs> yes. I just trans, yeah. He I'll said, like, this, I'll transfer the money. Because yeah. he had another guy oh, had an IOU on Billy yes. the Kid. And that was yes. actually very common in the Wild West days. That was like an early form of like credit where you say, like, well, I don't got 50 bucks, but this guy owes me 50 bucks. So if you I'll give me this, then he'll just owe you 50 bucks and he's good for it. So he'll give you the, he's supposed to pay me next week. So he'll pay you next week. I'll just go tell him him and then he'll give you the $50. But uh, then when the the shop owner went and uh, talked to the guy that Billy said owed him $50, he said, what the fuck? Billy owes me $50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Billy the Kid. It's like it a famous like criminal. There is some confusion there. Yeah. 
But the lightning, I mean, this gun was also light and it was therefore very fast. It weighed about a pound and a half. That meant that the lightning only made killing that much faster and that much easier in the Old West. But Billy and the gang didn't use the revolvers for killing all that much. Instead, they mostly used them to hold up mailmen. See, at nearby Fort Stanton, which was an actual fort, there was no money order office. So soldiers sent cash back home in registered letters. Mm. And since a mail stagecoach wasn't as well guarded as all the other stagecoaches, all the gang needed to do was stop the coach, rifle through the bags of mail, and pick out all the registered letters. Might as well have stamped cash inside. Damn. Honestly, and this is kind of a weird safe like scheme here, right? Because you don't have to kill anybody for the most part. You just got to get the one guy who's a, probably a lot of times being like, I just drive this fucking coach, dude. Yeah, sure. mailman's not going to throw shit. down. Yeah. Now, although stealing cattle and robbing mailmen weren't huge crimes... They still caught the attention of law enforcement, and in November of 1880, another posse of lawmen formed to chase down Billy the Kid's gang, and this one, again, with deadly results. Woo! Once the posse got a bead on Billy's gang, they cornered Billy and the rest at a ranch belonging to a man named Jim Greathouse. As Billy's gang hid inside the ranch house, a letter was sent inside from the posse Asking them to surrender. I love oh, posse. Very nice. Like I know that we've covered these like back when we did serial killers of the old west, but like posses are so funny because they had like a distinct order to them. Like they would gather together and they would choose hierarchies of who's doing what and all this kind of shit. And just the idea of everyone like, all right, who's got pen? Who's got pen? <laughs> all right, now we're gonna write a certainly lettered note. We're gonna send it in there and we're gonna see once he responds, and then we send our response back. We'll oh. see what happens. <laughs> and remember, Billy the Kid could read and write and do both fairly well. And in classic fashion, he responded with a note saying they'd only take him as a corpse. <gasps> now, I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but I think that at some point, the posse and the gang agreed to a hostage exchange. Mm -hmm. The posse sent in a member named Jimmy Carlisle, a blacksmith. While the gang sent out the owner of the ranch, Jim Greathouse. Jimmy Carlisle and Billy the Kid had been getting drunk together for like two weeks. So they were like, they were all like, Jimmy, you know Billy. You go in there and you <laughs> suss him out. And so he was just like, okay. And so the blacksmith like went in because, you know, this is posse's also like kind of technically half Billy's like acquaintances. Yeah. Like they've just been hanging out with him for days. But what I do know is that when Carlisle entered the house... The gang was raiding Great House's liquor cabinet. And so mm. Carlisle just can join them in drinking. <laughs> yes, he knows. yes, he's a hostage. <laughs> it's so funny. Now, eventually, the posse got impatient and told the gang that they'd kill Jim Greathouse if the gang didn't surrender. And that must have been such a thing for that guy where he's been like, yeah, that's like, my house. Wait, <laughs> my house hostage. Why are you going to kill me? Why are you guys all turning on me? And they're like, that's how we get it. Because they're all sitting outside for two hours while they're listening to them get drunk and laughing inside the house. What does killing me have to do with any of this? Why would that help the situation? This is creating advantage. We're creating advantage. It's a bluff. Oh, man. Now, we don't know how or why it happened. But at that moment, someone in the posse fired a shot. Thinking that Greathouse had been killed, Carlisle then tried jumping out the window. Because if Greathouse was dead, Billy was going to kill Carlisle too. Mm -hmm. Fucking friend or no, a drinking buddy or not. This arrangement sucks for them. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> really it's badly horrible. done. But also, this is, this is a hammered decision. 
Yeah, to yeah. just po- jump through a window like <laughs> you could have ran for the door like he just because you know he's all covered in cuts and shit too immediately like oh fuck what I just do but what neither Carlisle nor Billy's gang knew was that the shot was most likely an accidental discharge Great House was alive and well <laughs> but according to the story Billy wasn't about to let his hostage escape nor was he going to let a murder go unanswered so, allegedly, he and two other gang members pulled their lightning revolvers and filled Carlisle with lead, killing him before he was even able to get out the window. Dang. The gang then fled, and another murder was added to their ever-growing rap sheet. Or so that's what the posse said. According to the gang, Carlisle tried escaping, and it was the posse who shot him, thinking that Carlisle was the infamous Billy the Kid. Same hats. Because they're always looking for the hat. That's what. That's the one thing with Billy with the, the Kid. It keeps coming up because they said he wore a distinctive hat, but then I think that he just kept changing his distinctive hat. <laughs> and then they would just he'd give the hat to people because Billy the Kid also had a habit of shit like this. Like with Carlisle, like one second he's patting you on the back and you guys are fucking laughing your asses off and having a great time. And the next he's like, but I can still kill you. Like it's, <laughs> it's really intense. Now, it wasn't really the death of Jimmy Carlisle that escalated the manhunt for Billy the Kid and his gang. Instead, it was the business community complaining to the Treasury Department that Hmm. desperados were hurting their bottom line. I'm just like, it's so maddening how business does this. Like, it Mm -hmm. is still the only thing that moved the needle. Was the well, money? To be fair, they are they are killing a lot of people. Sure, um, but it wasn't the people; it was the businesses that were like, "It's hurting our bottom line." Yeah, and no one was really people. doing. Yeah, no one like the federal government wasn't doing anything about it. The only time the federal government got involved and sent anybody was when the businessmen started complaining, you know, and mm-hmm. calling up their contacts in Washington. So the government sent a special operative named Azaria Wild to Lincoln County. Ooh. Yeah, that's a great fucking wild. Azaria Wild, that's such a great... It's like a... It sounds like somebody... It's a, it's a steampunk name, pretty much. It, it really is. is. And it's also <laughs> totally different from the names like Chisholm that we've been covering. <laughs> yeah. So he definitely sounds like a special agent going to rough people up. He sounds a lot cooler than Dave Rudabaugh, that's for sure. Wait, hey, yeah. Marcus, maybe you know this or maybe you don't. Where do the Pinkertons fit in with all of this, with the the feds, special ops, and like, wh- where do they fit in? Because they are private, right? They are a private organization. Yes, the the Pinkertons are a pri- the Pinkertons. They're they're ostensibly private investigators. They're Blackwater. Um, yeah, they are exactly. That's exactly what they are. Blackwater. Right. If you've so ever like contracted with the government. Uh, they could be contracted with the government. A lot of times they were contracted with business people mm. or contracted with whoever. Like, and say, like, you know, uh, Deadwood, season one. You know, yes. they're, the reason why I swear engine's so afraid of uh, the dude contacting his people back in New York City is because he's afraid that his people back in New York City are going to contact the Pinkertons and fuck up swear engine's entire outfit. Okay. Uh, because the Pinkertons were, by criminals, the Pinkertons were as feared as the FBI, if not more so. Was because they didn't have to follow any laws. They were yeah. private. They could do whatever they want. Damn. Yeah. Well, when Nazaria Wild arrived in Lincoln County, he soon surmised that Billy the Kid was the outlaw to capture. And around the same time, Pat Garrett was elected sheriff of Lincoln County. And at Uh-oh. the top of his list of priorities was the capture of Billy the Kid. It was kind of interesting. Billy the Kid specifically campaigned against Garrett. Like he was telling <laughs> people, I, I mean, he would drive around sense. being like, he doesn't, he don't got a shot. He ain't going to win this county. He ain't going to win. 
<laughs> I mean, Billy was now the target, very suddenly, the target of two separate manhunts, one local and one federal. Damn. But as far as Billy's crimes went, he was nowhere near the worst of the thieves who were causing chaos in southeastern New Mexico and the Texas panhandle. Billy never held up a bank, never burglarized a store, never robbed a traveler on the road, and never, quote unquote, outraged women, as it was called at the time. See, that's good. He can bring that up in court. Yes, you've talked about what I have done, but listen to the list of things I have not done. <laughs> I mean, he murdered people. Kissel yes. reminded me of that. He did yeah. murder a lot of people. So, yeah, that's the main crime. Okay, murder. That's one for that's you. One, one for me. Got. Never robbed a bank. You see how this is going to work, guys? But by Wild West standards, at this point, Billy, well, the only person that Billy has murdered where he couldn't prove self-defense was Sheriff William Brady. Everyone mm. else, he murdered before they murdered him or while they were in the process of trying to murder him. Also, oh, Carlisle, geez. we don't know for sure exactly what happened with Carlisle. But Sheriff William Brady, yeah, that's de that's definitely, a, that's murdering a cop. Uh, without a doubt. Yeah. That's, or even that's murdering an elected official. Mm. Big fucking deal. It's big. I honestly... I am on the side of the fence that he murdered Carlisle, that he yeah, did murder so. Carlisle, and that I think he was hammered. I think it was an impulse. I think that he thought that he was doing this, but because you'll see that later on, too, where he does have an impulsive side to him that's very dangerous. Oh, yes. The brain isn't stopped developing until the late 20s. He's still no. a baby. He's still a mm -hmm. baby. But the newspapers had a different story to tell about Billy the Kid, other than a guy that was just doing all this shit for self-defense. In an article published in December of 1880 in the Las Vegas Gazette, a claim was made that between 40 and 50 men were imposing a reign of thievery and terror on New Mexico. Their leader, the article claimed, was Billy the Kid. Shit, I'm the leader. I see the, <laughs> see the newspaper like, oh, wow, that's amazing. What a surprise to him. Now, this report was partly true. There were indeed between 40 and 50 men terrorizing New Mexico and the Texas panhandle. But they were many different groups of thieves with no central leader. And they certainly weren't taking orders from a 21-year-old kid such as Billy. But it was in this article that William Bonney became American legend. <gasps> Rightfully seeing a hook, the reporter from the Las Vegas Gazette took the simple name of William H. Bonney and made William a character instead of a man. And so dubbed Bonney Billy the Kid for the first time. Damn. I wonder why it took so long for it to boil down the nickname. To when Billy they've the been Kid? They've been calling him the kid. They've been calling all this kind of stuff. And I guess it finally they're like, I guess that's I, Jonah Jameson. He's the blame. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it just takes one report. You know, everyone's called like William because William the Kid doesn't sound good. William the Kid. So, William the Kid sounds like somebody who's trying to pretend to be a kid to meet kids to have sex with them. My name is... William the Kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would imagine, you know, newspapermen, they're mostly seeing William H. Bonney or the kid. And but then eventually maybe this reporter interviewed somebody that knew William H. Bonney, who was called Billy by his friends. And so all of a sudden this reporter sees, oh, Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid. Oh, shit. That's Damn. good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, bro, high <laughs> that's five perfect. Yeah. The reporter further called Billy a desperate cuss who was eligible for the post of captain for any crowd, no matter how mean or lawless. Then the whole thing ended with a dramatic plea to the community where these crimes were mostly occurring. 
Shall we suffer this horde of outcasts and the scum of society who are outlawed by a multitude of crimes to continue their way on the very border of our county? We believe our citizens of San Miguel County to be order-loving people and call upon them to unite in forever wiping out this band to the east of us. And we're doing this so we can make y'all pay taxes. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> now by this time, the living legend that was Billy the Kid had spread far beyond New Mexico. And on the same day that he was officially dubbed Billy the Kid by the Las Vegas Gazette, the New York Sun was giving him the same name and the same reputation. He's fucking nationwide now. Wow. Basically, what these newspapers were doing was crafting Billy the Kid as the representation of the frontier outlaw, a stand-in for every bad man who broke the law west of Oklahoma. By this point, had there already been nationally known criminals of this st- like this status? Like, wh- where does he fall within the other outlaws? Was this all happening at the same time? You know what? I could not, in good conscience, tell you that one way or another. I don't know. Yeah, because I I wonder if whether or not because yeah James I mean James suggested James same time period, yeah. So I wonder what how they go and like when do they hit the big time and like what does that do because this is the first time America's really starting to fall in love with criminals. Well, I mean, but it's also the the old West doesn't just have criminal celebrities. I mean, you've got White Earp, you've got Wild Bill Hickok. You know, like they're they're the old West at this point is just a fascination of uh, the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Now, despite how it's been portrayed, Billy the Kid was at first pretty fucking freaked out by all this media attention. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Because even though he continued his life of crime and had killed at least one more man, maybe two since the pardon fell through, he still had a hope of going straight. And then you had the one picture of you taken out there, right? Like you have all of these people like, because at the time I bet you- I mean, couldn't he just change his hat? (laughs) <laughs> and then everyone would be like, I have no idea who that is. He had the buck teeth, man. Yeah. He had like a distinctive mm, face. Like yeah. he looked like somebody. And he also, that's the problem too, is that as you'll see in the next episode, he loved the reputation conversely as well because he'd use it. Like he'd still kind of lean in because at this point, well, if I'm Billy the Kid, I might as well fucking act like it. Sure. It's like when Jeffrey Dahmer went to prison and was like, I'll eat you next. And uh, <laughs> that really wasn't even his character. <laughs> So, Billy the Kid wrote another letter to Governor Wallace, perhaps truthfully claiming that Jimmy Carlisle, the victim at the Great House Ranch, had been accidentally shot and killed by the posse, and he falsely claimed that he'd been living in Fort Sumner since leaving Lincoln, where he made a living gambling. An honest living, where I steal money through cards. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Governor Wallace did receive this letter, and he read it. But instead of making good on his promise, he handed the letter over to the Las Vegas Gazette for the sole purpose of ridiculing Billy's plea for clemency. I don't know why he trusts the government. It's his own. I mean, it's really his only shot because, I mean, Billy the Kid does not. I think his number one thing is he does not want to leave New Mexico. He loves New Mexico, you know, and he loves uh, Fort Sumner and he's got a girlfriend there. You know, he's in love. With with, uh, with his girlfriend. He loves this woman and she doesn't want to leave her family. He doesn't want to leave the, her family. He loves it there. And the only way he's staying in New Mexico is if Governor Wallace finally hands down that pardon. Or mm. if he kills every single man that comes looking for him. Okay. Yeah. But that's going to start to be hard. That sounds yeah. very difficult. Yeah. And so after a long fuse, the press finally detonated the Billy the Kid bomb. <gasps> and almost overnight... Billy became a national celebrity. 
And while some people loved him, most just called for his head. Mm. Soon, wanted posters began appearing all over the Southwest that read, Billy the Kid, Wanted, Dead or Alive. Cause I'm wanted! <laughs> Don't stay Preferably alive. And that's where we'll pick back up for the actual conclusion to our series on Billy the Kid. Oh my God, this whole story is so dense and the whole the whole world that we're playing in right now is just crazy. It's a good thing to visit, but I'm very happy to be alive now. <laughs> Honestly, next week we're going to cover how the end of his life is one two-year-long blur of Oof. action, uh, running from the law. The man escapes from so many places that he shouldn't escape. The boy escapes from so many places yeah. he shouldn't escape. And he also, he, he lives by the sword and he dies by the sword and says that so much to his Ugh. own captor, Pat Garrett. Uh, and we're also going to get into a little bit of the world of, which is why we're separating the episodes of, did Pat Garrett really kill Billy the Kid. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did Billy the Kid get to ride off into the sunset with sweet, sweet Paulita down to Santa Aww. Fe? I don't know. That yeah. would be a nice conclusion. Yeah, there is proof behind it. We'll get to that proof next episode. We right, will. And wait. I also want, so we got this. We're, we are uh, also know after the Billy the Kid episodes, we're coming back to modern times. Oh. We're going to be down to the hover cars that we have right now. The, <laughs> um, according to Back to the Future 2, um, the hoverboards, we have it all coming for you. We're very, very excited to get into a fall that will be, would you say, soaked in blood? Soaked in blood. I would say it is so soaked in blood, you're going to have to throw out the whole goddamn mattress. Whoa, mama. All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We can't wait to see you on the road this weekend. We're going to be in Detroit, Cincinnati, and Columbus. Come on out to the show. And uh, yeah, we just can't wait to see you and make you laugh a little bit. And yeah, of course, pay attention to all the uh, protocols and stuff like that. Yeah, pay attention to the emails that will be sent to you by the venues. They're going to tell you how to handle all of the bullshit. Yep. We're just going out there trying to be as safe as possible so we can continue to go out there and spread a little joy and some laughter and, dare I say, show you a few disgusting things you don't want to see. So you'll <laughs> like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's our right. goal. Uh, and also, you know, Springle Jack, he's out there. Ooh, he's boo -boo. roasting on fucking beans. They're so fucking brown and dark. He's doing so good. He's crisping them any up. Other, any other description beans. other than brown and dark. Brown and dark beans. beans. You can't wait. These beans. Yeah. Can't even. Oh, I'm Is there even, an aroma that goes with it? Beans. Beans. Okay. So. Um, vape carts all over LA. Uh, check out our, our, our humble offerings to the weed community yes. and Last Prisoner Project. Give them a check out. They were trying to get people out of jail for a smoke and that fucking sweet, sweet yerb. Last Prisoner Project doing some great work. Also, I was just informed we're in my favorite little weed dispensary store, Roots. Um, so roots. that's going to be happening really soon as well. So if you're in the Sherman Oakish area, North Hollywood, Roots is there for you. And keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Thank you all so much for all of, of everything. So we'll see you all real soon. Okay, everyone, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail King. Magustalations. I'll tell you what, you see me out on the trail, you hail me. Because I'm out there, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. You know, a man can, according to you, a man can live three months in You'll be hailing a cab because you won't survive four seconds. Unfortunately, in order for me to arrive on a horse, I will need some form of balm or cream for my inner crevices. 
totally see you. I can just the level of sunscreen you oh. would have as a cowboy would be mythical. You would be like the ghost cowboy where they don't know if you're alive or if he's yeah. dead. My goal is I would dress like a mysterious widow until I got out of the carriage. Like they think that I was like a well-to-do woman with my parasol and my glasses and my covered cart. And they'd be like, oh, is that the new school teacher on town? We'll be able to meet this new fresh woman. And then I'll get out and be like, ready for beer, guys. <laughs> school Marm Henry. That's next me. T- that's the next t-shirt. <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.